I'm sure hoping the there'll be some it. sun. Yep. I am tired of the clouds. I hate to when, you know, somebody was talking to me today. I was discussing weather with them, and they said, well, I kind of like it when it's like this. And I said, well, I don't mind it. I just don't like it when Mother Nature starts stringing the days together. Yeah, that's the thing. This week has been, for anyone out there that is suffering from, you know, the uh seasonal the uh, yeah well yeah. that too but this Makes this weather has not not helped i have a uh, uh i've been sick my wife's been sick she's still getting over it yeah, uh, one flu. of my partners is sick now it's not it's been uh and most people i've spoken with uh it's not the flu it's just that that crud you know you just got to let it run its course and and, and uh, i had a, i had a cold yeah. i guess that's what you're talking about yeah. and it it really kind of kicked my booty for about two days and then I started feeling better, and I've gotten over it. But um, State Senator Hammer, I've been talking to him, and he got uh, type A flu. Oh, got done with it, and came down with pneumonia. Oh, that's terrible, man! Yeah. My dad just got over a uh, bad. I've heard a lot of pneumonia cases lately. It's just I don't know. It's just a, it's a yeah. weird year. The up and down temperatures. Yeah, days like today. I mean, look, <laughs> I'd much rather it snow. Or, you know, cold rain. Cold rain rain is just absolutely miserable. Get down into your bone. That's exactly what it does. All right, JR is here. Gilmore Group is uh, who he is with. And I wanted to talk to you. Can we talk about uh, the the half cent sales tax thing? Or you want to hold hold yeah. that powder until no, later? No, we can we can talk about whatever okay. you want to talk about. There's a uh, if you look underneath. Oh, is there? Is, is, right. is the extension cord underneath still here? The green one. Is it still underneath? It's over here. Zach's pointing. Okay, you got to look behind. He'll point. There okay, all right. There it Good. is over there. Oh, you perfect. See I see it. All right. That way you can hook up without having to stretch out there and trying to make that work. There we go. There. See, that's a lot easier now. Beautiful. You're a good man. You, you can see it on t- on the uh, on the television on your uh, your you know your my, your, your, my gymnastics my yeah, stretching good, abilities. Man. Yeah. Well, the bottom line is, you know, I'm working on getting more receptacles in here oh. because everybody is plugging up. I t- by the time I get to your show, I'm on my last bit of battery. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> says to me, "So, Dave, you got got somewhere I can charge up at?" And I go, "Well, yeah. I mean, we got if you look along the wall there." There's plugs all along the wall. However, most people don't have a 20-foot cord. That's very true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the longest one I got is 10 foot, and even that is too short sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I need a longer cord, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, doing all of that. But anyway, let's, yep. let's talk about that. I was I was a little bit shocked at the, the, the positive numbers that you shared with me. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that it's something that Arkansans, you know, understand. We've had a history uh, in this state of of voters supporting our roads and infrastructure. Uh, we saw that back in 2012, where we had a half cent uh, sales tax uh, approved uh, by the voters to uh, help maintain our roads and our bridges and our highways and new infrastructure and things like that. And and so this year, voters are going to have the chance to uh, continue that so we can continue the progress we've made here in Arkansas. It'll be a dedicated uh, funding stream for our highways, roads, and bridges. And of course, everyone understands when you talk about the jobs and economy and, and kind of the state of the Trump administration in the country right now, the economy's booming. Arkansas don't want to be left behind. So we've got a really, really good opportunity uh, to help with that infrastructure and things that bring companies into your state when you mm-hmm. talk about infrastructure and when you talk about farm to market roads, you know, wherever you are, uh, having well-maintained roads is so, so important. I mean, we've all hit that pothole and it's cost us, you know, 500 bucks. <laughs> I lost a tooth. Oh, did you? Seriously, really? yeah. Yeah, I'm telling lost you. Lost a tooth. We need to put you in an ad campaign so you can talk about <laughs> No. No, because no. I'm, I'm going to vote against it. I'll let you know. Just because of it being in the Constitution. I don't want to put taxes in the Constitution. Well, I, I certainly uh, respect uh, your decision and feeling on that. I think it's something that, you know, Arkansas, especially being a small state, uh, we need to have that dedicated stream so we can continue to move forward. The problem with a lot of states is that, you know, you might have a plan in place. There's no funding. You get left behind. You know, you may be battling out, you know, Austin, Texas for a new opportunity as far as economic development goes. Uh, and that company makes decisions based on, you know, do you have an interstate close by? What's the rail situation look like? You know, all of those things make uh, make for a very important decision and can oftentimes, you know, tip the pendulum in, in favor of another state. So we need to be at a point where uh, we're not only open for business, but we have the resources for these businesses to succeed and expand here in the state. Because when that happens, uh, more Arkansans uh, go to work and provide for their families and and, uh, and that means a great deal, as both of us know, you know, just getting out and providing for your family. So, All right. Well, I, I would like to see it be passed, uh, but passed with, like, if you want to try to change it, it takes three quarters of the legislature to change it. Right. Well, you know, I think what's really important to voters of Arkansas is to see what has happened over the last decade. You know, has it worked? Have we been good stewards? Uh, of um, those taxpayer dollars, and I think the overwhelming answer has been, you know, yes. We've seen a lot of projects. We've we're seeing it right here in Little Rock. You're seeing it in Northeast, certainly in Northwest. Uh, you're seeing, um, you know, uh, progress down in South Arkansas and on the east and western side of the states. But the most really important thing is, are for our cities and counties. You know, a lot of this, uh, uh, you know, it's sort of that we go back to the 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 way the funding works with highways, roads, infrastructure, things like that is 70, 15, 15 sure. split. Yeah, because it's going to be like, what, $206 million for the state and $44 million for each of the counties and yeah. and, uh, and that's, yes, municipal areas. Exactly, and that's split between you know the municipalities and the counties, and that is a big deal uh, to your city's budget um, and and especially for the county. And, and so it, it certainly could mean uh, the difference between you know having to – uh, you know, cut off an essential service or cut back. And, and for, you know, for a city, for a municipality, you know, you're talking, you know, could be a million dollars out of your budget, which is nothing to sneeze at as far as, you know, what you're able to do and, and, and moving forward. And you always talk about the quality of life aspect. Um, 
and that's important, but it's those essential services that could certainly be impacted and will be impacted uh, if this does not pass. But the good news is an overwhelming uh, amount of Arkansans do support it. Uh, Republicans, Democrats, independents, they see the need for it. Um, so we're, we're excited to get out there. The governor is going to be the face of this uh, issue. He knows it's important. We, you know, we've always kind of joked around, but the, you know, his, his other name other than, you know, governor Hutchinson is the jobs governor. Mm-hmm. And we have, um, you know, he's brought, uh, you know, more than 90,000 uh, jobs into Arkansas since he's, you know, created, I wouldn't say brought it in, but uh, has provided Arkansans with the opportunity to get to work more than 90,000 of them. Um, and as far as the different businesses that have expanded, uh, the global business that we brought in. And so this is a real important issue for the governor. Uh, and we've talked about it for four decades. I mean, truly, you know, you talked to, I was talking to one of our candidates, uh, Keith Brooks, who's running for um, Representative Andy Davis's seat, District 31. Right. Uh, he's got a primary election coming up on March 3rd, but we were talking and I thought he gave one of the best answers to date is, look, I remember, you know, Frank White talking about it. I remember Bill Clinton talking about it. I remember Huckabee and BB and now, you know, Hutchinson always talking about the need for that long-term funding. Mm-hmm. And so basically, you know, voters got an opportunity to see what it would look like in 2012. Uh, it's been an overwhelming success and we need to put something in place where we will have that long-term, you know, uh, f- dedicated funding stream for our infrastructure. Uh, and that's very, very important when you're looking like a, looking at a state like Arkansas where we have a lot of rural areas uh, that we need to make sure we maintain. Um, but we want to bring jobs there. We want to bring companies there. And that's a really, really big part of it. And one thing I failed to mention, which I think might be the most important part, is just the public safety aspect. Um, you know, we, you talked about knocking the tooth out, hitting a uh, pothole. Um, it's truly something that, you know, we have to be, uh, you know, uh, on on the top of. Uh, com- continue to you know maintain our streets, fill those potholes, make sure they're safe for school buses, families picking kids up, first-time drivers. All those things are really important. And then you talk about a day like today with this rain and the freezing rain up north. Um, that's it's important to have those good roads so uh, you can kind of prevent some of the damage that will take place when you have that you know cold rain, sleet, snow over a period of time. Okay, now you, you worked with the governor. Now you're not. You're working with. Uh, uh an agency with a, a group that's working with with uh, people that are running for, you know, a political office or whatever. But you talk to a lot of the the, uh, the folks that have been elected. So my question is this. Is the state of Arkansas coming to the point where they understand that perhaps the way things are set up about roads needs to be changed? You, I mean, mean? We've, we've talked about the the way it's set up for the state i mean with the highway commission sure. that that's been an ongoing thing uh one of the good things uh, you can talk about bad things but one of sure. the good things that jeremy hutchinson did is that he got them to pay attention when he was going to literally blow up the highway commission and then he relented because they said that they would do it on their own and then they didn't so it's Time for somebody to pick up that mantle again and figure out a different way to to do this. I have problems th- with the in the counties with the county judges controlling all of the the road funds. Well, you know, I think, I you, think the elected officials that are on the quorum courts should have says about all of that. Sure, and I think for the most part, you know, what you've seen is, you know, uh, 
uh, an overwhelming majority of good actors. There are some bad actors, mm-hmm. and that's certainly what kind of I'm spoils the bunch. Right? No, 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 no. And I understand that. And I'm just trying to, uh, you know, paint the picture here. But, but really, uh, you know, I, I agree that you when know, you talk to candidates, look, this is, you know, you, this is important because the voters get a chance to, you know, voice their opinion at the ballot yeah. box. They get to say yes or no, and that's simple what it is. And then when the ballot title, it's going to tell you exactly what it is uh, and where it goes. Uh, but the second part of that is we have an incredible bunch of legislators at the Capitol right now uh, that no oversight has to be key, and they need more oversight. Absolutely, in those I areas. Think, yeah, and you, you've you've that's that was a debate uh, in the 2019 session yes, was, was about the oversight. I think everyone knows the long term funding. You know that dedicated stream to our highways, roads, and bridges is extremely important, and we talked about it from you know not just an economic development standpoint, but from a public safety aspect. And I think you would agree. It's everybody I think stewards. agrees with that. But you have to be good stewards of that taxpayer yeah. dollar. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that's key. I mean, there's different ways to get to the same area. I I tend to to fall on a different side yeah. of of that. However, I hope that everybody can agree with. That we got to get the highway department under control. We got to get uh, the highway commission under control. We got to get that all under yeah. control so the money's being spent wisely. Well, people may forget, and I don't have you know the, necessarily the specifics of the bill, but uh, as part of you know the sort of bill signing, if you will, wasn't really a signing, but you know referring this uh, you know uh, amendment out to the people of Correct. Arkansas. Uh, Jonathan Dismang, Senator Dismang, had two bills that spoke directly to oversight of the uh, Department of Transportation. And so I think what he started, you're going to continue to see because the governor himself absolutely understands that when you're dealing with an independent agency uh, that's not under executive control, you have to have those oversight, uh, have to have that oversight. And what he saw was, okay, this is something we need. We've needed it for decades here in Arkansas in order to keep up because as we wait for these projects, right, if we don't have the funding to execute some of these plans, that continues to get more expensive over time. Yeah, let's just point one of those out. Sure. No, I know exactly what you're going to say. The bridge over over uh, the Arkansas River right here in, in Little Rock. Yeah. The price of that is ridiculous. And and it's all, and the thing is, though, if we, if, again, you have these uh, – you know, strategic infrastructure builds or, or, or maintain and overlay systems and all that sort of th- overlay uh, programs, all those sort of things, the longer you wait, the more expensive it gets. Yeah. And so we as a state have to be on the forefront of that. We have to fix the things and, and we have to well, say fix. We have to fix the things that are broken. We have to maintain the current roads and highways that we have and bridges. And then we have to uh, you know, construct the new infrastructure that can bring in those new jobs and that sort of thing. So it's kind of a three-pronged approach. Uh, but if we get behind, those projects pile up and they're more and more well, we expensive as we need some legal reform, too. There's no way. There's got to be a way of addressing the law that a small group of people or business people, whoever it might be, can hold up a project of this magnitude for as many years as they've held it up. It's crazy. Yeah. Know, because they're afraid, well, you're going to take some of the traffic from downtown. Well, I-30 is not supposed to drop traffic off downtown and bring it through downtown. It's supposed to make it easier to get through downtown. Well, let me tell you this. I think the most uh, important part of this campaign, you know, not just obviously we want it to pass because we think there's a lot of good that can come, and it'll actually, you know, finally address something that's been four decades, five decades uh, in the making. But 
the fact that the been going on longer than I've been on the air. Right. Well, then there it's you unbelievable. go. Unbelievable. Yeah. So this is something we've been discussing for a long, long time. This is an opportunity to uh, to finally truly address it uh, with dedicated funding. But the highway department is hosting about a dozen town halls around the state. Instead of saying, hey, this is where we're going to put this money, we want to hear from the voter, the constituent, the Arkansan that says, hey, maybe we need this here. Or what about this project? We want you to consider this. And so that's what the highway department's doing right now. Uh, it's it's really important for them to be face to face there with the voter uh, to say, hey, listen, we need this. And let me tell you why we need it. But we want to hear from you. What are your concerns? You know, what are your priorities? Mm-hmm. And it's not just 12 here in central Arkansas. It's literally all over the state, every corner, uh, you know, urban, rural. We want to hear from everyone. And so I think that's what's really, really important. And you can go on to the uh, um Arkansas Department of Transportation's website, I think Facebook. Um, there's also the highway campaign uh, website, voteforroads.com. Uh, you can get some of that information, which is really, really helpful, and some of the dates uh, for when those town halls will be in your area. And I would certainly uh, invite you and encourage you to come out and, and voice your concerns. You can be for it. You can be against it. But this is your opportunity to say, okay, here's my question. I need this addressed. And there's going to be someone there that can do that. All right, we've got to get a break. J.R. Davis is my guest. He's going to be our Thursday guest here on the Dave Ellswick Show because, like I said, he does. he's hooked up a lot with uh, politics. That's what we want to talk about when he's on, and uh, we will continue that. Oh, by the way, I told you yesterday the big news I will be telling you every day now. Uh, we understand that you wanted a live local conservative talk show in the morning. So you're going to get it right here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. I'll start doing mornings from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. beginning February 3rd. Now, you've heard me for years now in the afternoons. That is not the biggest audience that you talk to. Morning Drive is. And they came to me and they said, Dave, We'd like you to take mornings. We want you to think about it. Do you want to do it? Well, I haven't done mornings in 30 years, to be honest with you. And, uh, but when they told me who would take my place in the afternoons, I said, this just makes sense. I'm, a, I'm, not, I'm not only a, a host, a talent. I also was a program director for many, many years at many different radio stations here in the United States. And here's what I know. As goes the morning show, so goes the rest of the day. So we're going to give you a great morning show. I'm going to be on from 6A to 9A starting February 3rd. Then Gallagher will come on, and he's really fun to listen to. Then we get back into the heavy-duty conservative talk. Rush will come on at 11. He goes to 2, and then at 2 o'clock, and, and, and he's going to owe me dinner next time I see him. Uh, we're going to bring back... Uh, Hannity. So Hannity comes back from two to five. Now, Sean has asked me for years. Seriously, I know Sean really well. I, I'm not surprised. I, I've, I've known him for years. And every time we'd see each other at the new media seminar in New York City, he'd say, Ellswick, when are you going to put me on live? And I said, as soon as you change the times that you're on, <laughs> because I'm on the same time you are. Well, now that's going to be the, the difference is we're not. And so he will be on live 
starting on February 3rd as well. So that's the other big change coming. Major changes here at 1011. And, uh, of course, JR is going to be with me on Thursdays at 7 a.m. He's going to get up early, brush his teeth, and take his shower and whatever, and come in here. Or at least I'm hoping he is. And, and sit <laughs> I can down. assure you. I don't know if the content will be good from me, but I guarantee you I will be, uh, I will be clean You'll when be I come You'll be ready to go. Yeah, All right. Roll. So he'll be coming in to, to do the show on Thursdays. We've got a lot of other people that are going to be coming in as well. It's going to be a great morning show. I just promise you that. So uh, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your Facebook friends. Dave Ellswick's show goes to 6 a.m. starting February 3rd, right here on the home of the Rush Limbaugh Show. All right, something that uh, you may not be aware of, we will not be able to uh, cover this live uh, tomorrow, but we will cover it. Uh, during my show tomorrow, President Trump uh, is going to appear in person to address tomorrow's annual March for Life in Washington, D.C. Now, this has really kind of electrified the pro-life movement movement as well as it should. But uh, the Salem Radio Network News Department are uh, going to get the word out nationwide today uh, that uh, that's coming up. Uh, on uh, tomorrow at 11 o'clock our time. Now, that's when Rush is on. Uh, We'll let him make the decision if he's going to carry it or not. So uh, that's for his show. But I will let you know that we're going to record it uh, when it happens, and then uh, we will, uh, at that point, make sure uh, that it gets to you so that you uh, can hear it. That's, that's, That's... coming just keep that in mind we're going to record it at about 11 o'clock tomorrow morning noon high noon in washington dc but it's the first time a sitting president has ever addressed the uh, march for last year was the first time a vice president had ever done it and that pence talked so this year it is the president and uh that's that is a really historical thing to do so We'll have it for you right here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. So you know me. I try to get you all this stuff so you can keep up with all of it. A lot of people talking from yesterday. I don't know how many of you watched any of the impeachment. I think that I was talking to uh, Congressman Hill yesterday on the air, and I think uh, we should take impeachment and make it a dirty word. Impeach you. Impeach you. That's what I think. I think we should say, look, impeach you. You know, make it make it a dirty. You get cut kind off of thing. in traffic. You That's right. Impeach, impeach you. you. You know, I don't know. Well, I think the Democrats. I mean, you can just, show them the eye. Yeah, exactly. They keep. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, it just just continues to still ast- up there. It just continues to surprise me the strategy from the Democrats. I mean, they have. And look, I think most people keeping up with it realize there were some Republicans possibly on the fence about the... Not uh, anymore. Not anymore. And why? Because of the words that came out of the Democrats' mouth the last two days. Nadler's mouth. Nadler specifically. specifically. And it's just, you know, and there's been some that are he keeping said, up with... cover up. Oh. And boy, Murkowski of Alaska, who is the most, you know, wobbly of all right. of them, said... I can't believe he said and that. And she said she was offended by it. Yeah. So I'm telling you, it is just 
you know, one thing after the next, you just keep thinking maybe there's this weird strategy that we just don't know about yet, and it's just a misstep after misstep Democrats after misstep. Have, I don't think they have any strategy. You know, I honestly think to the point where, you know, I, I think I read where, uh, uh, you know, Rand Paul said that they don't quite have the votes yet to, you know, basically dismiss this, but they're close. Yep. And basically, I just guarantee need a couple more, he said. When, they find, when they finally have those votes, you're going to have the Trump's attorneys immediately move. I don't know if they will or dismiss. not. They, the president, well, that's true. You're right. president wants to be acquitted. That's true. That's a very good point. You know, I think he's of the opinion, let's go the distance, get acquitted. And, and you know, I love this. I, I got to get me a shirt that says Pelosi. You know, impeachment is forever. You know, Trumpers, you know, so is acquitted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, know, something like that, you yeah. know? No, it's, uh, it's, it really, it's just like, you know, I feel like I use the word surprise a lot when I talk about the Democrats, and, and it's certainly not good for them when I use it, but it's just, it just boggles my mind at the strategy behind all of this because I think. You know, we talked about this last week from, you know, the pin ceremony to Nadler's comments on the floor of the Senate. Uh, it's, it's you know, they're just basically digging themselves a hole. And on the, you know, uh, the the presidential side of things, you talk about Democrats running, and you got a handful of senators that are, th- that are there that are uh, – I'd have to take part in all of this, and it's setting them up for a really difficult path forward as well as as Iowa approaches and then New Hampshire, and then the ball just starts. But uh, I'm telling you, it is it is this is going to be a very I, I predict it's going to be a very tough year uh, and and rough year for Democrats in 2020. I I you know what Trump said something. Let me see if I got that in my, for my sound today. Trump. Yes. Cut six. Here's what the president had to say about Virginia. Tens of billions of dollars. What's happened to San Francisco is a disgrace. And that's where she is. What about New York? I mean, how do you feel about this new bail reform where three quarters of all inmates are being released? I think it's crazy. Governor Cuomo and and de Blasio put this into effect. Neighborhoods don't even know. I think it's crazy. And I think Virginia is uh, crazy. They want to take away the guns in Virginia. You have a a governor that's uh, I just can't believe it. But Virginia is very much in play. I think we're going to win the state of Virginia. They uh, want to take everyone's gun away in Virginia. You can't do it. You can't do it. People need that for safety. They need it for hunting and other things. But many people need it for safety. They need it for security. Mm-hmm. They're playing with our Second Amendment. Frankly, they'd get rid of it. I watched him on an interview. He would get rid of the Second Amendment if it was up to him. And you have many Democrats saying the same thing. They're saying it quietly. But if they win these elections, they're going to try and get rid of the Second Amendment. It will never happen as long as I'm here. All right. So the president is right here. The Democrats and some of this crazy stuff they're doing, they're putting their states in play. Absolutely. One hundred percent. I mean, I think uh, one thing that you know we, we've talked about in some of our races and obviously religious liberty is a very, very big yes, it is. Uh, issue. And I think for a while, you know, you saw it before Trump or Democrats were saying, oh, this is just, uh, you know, this is. Uh, you know, fear mongering among Republicans and that this isn't really what we're trying to do. But since Trump's been elected, we have seen Bernie Sanders rip into uh, an, an appointment for their Christian views. We've seen Beto O'Rourke say, absolutely, let's, you know, strip churches from their tax exempt yep. status. You saw the Democrat National uh, Committee uh, pass a resolution uh, basically 
uh, you know, um, uh, you know, embracing non-religious people and, you know, chastising those who have religious views. Uh, this is the Democratic Party, uh, and this is what they have been to- been saying forever, that this was just, this isn't real, this is what Republicans are saying to rile up their base. And what we're seeing, especially over the last two years, uh, is that everything the Democrats said they weren't doing, they're absolutely doing. Yeah, and, keep, and, keep in mind that uh, in Portland and in Washington State, as it starts on the coast, it moves in to the interior of the United States where you can't bake a cake. You can't, you can be forced to make flowers for you can, if you're a photographer, you have to bend uh, to the courts and take pictures of things that you personally uh, go against your uh, religious beliefs on. And uh, a lot of that now is being tamped down and put out because of the judges that Trump's put into place. Yeah, and I think that when you when the Democrats see that happen, they they sort of lash out. And reality sets in as far as you know what we always thought was happening. Uh, they're saying it publicly. I mean, I, I think let me read just a couple of these headlines to you, Dave. As far as religious liberty goes, this was from uh, Fox News. Democratic Party embraces non-religious voters, criticizes religious liberty. From the New York Post, Democrats slap the faithful during LGBTQ town hall. Uh, this is from Real Clear Religion. Top Democrats call for limits on religious freedom at town hall. National Review, Beto O'Rourke calls for stripping churches of tax-exempt status. Christian Post, Sanders attacks Trump appointee for Christian views. And uh, and then the final one, change your faith or else. Nancy Pelosi's Equality Act will make religious freedom less equal. Yeah. Those are just a few of the headlines we've seen over the last year uh, about religious liberty. And so... You know, again, every misstep by Democrat, where Democrats, where they they think they're making inroads or they're trying to capture a certain vote, uh, they're alienating themselves from the general electorate. And again, I really do believe doesn't matter which of the Democrats come out of this primary, they are going to have a huge hill to climb in the general and walk back some of the things that they've said in these you know countless number of debates. Uh, and and it will come back. I mean, the Trump campaign must have you know thirty spots ready to roll right now for uh, you know whomever comes out. Yeah, I think it's Democratic more primary. than that. Oh yeah, and that yeah, exactly. That's a conservative estimate. So um, you know, they, it's it's going to be a really tough you know road uh, for the Democrats going into twenty twenty uh, in November because they're going to have to walk back some of this stuff if it's Bernie and and, and Elizabeth Warren. They're not going to walk it back. They're not going to be able to capture those key states. Where you know what there may be some that just absolutely hate Trump, but they're going to look at the the, uh, the economy and see that hey you know I've got a job my wages are up uh, you know unemployment is is at historic lows uh, it's booming hey four more years isn't the you know maybe I don't agree with everything he says but four more years isn't the in the worst idea and I certainly don't want to turn into a socialized you know United States of That's America right. under an Elizabeth Warren or a Bernie Sanders and so uh, I'm telling you it, it is going to be a tough hill to climb for Democrats over the next 11 months. Well, you can't walk back all the stuff that they've said. You can't. And you I, can try. I'm just saying you're not going to be able to. No, on the Democrat side, Republican side, you know, we always see that, you know, uh, Republicans will go to the right in the primary, Democrats go to the left. It is much more difficult to walk back a left agenda in a general uh, than it is for a Republican. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason I say that is because we're talking about spending trillions on a climate package 
uh, climate change package that will literally, if they all believe what they're being told, won't do a hill of beans in 10 years, right? That's one, but it's trillions of dollars. You know, the other is decriminalizing the border that they keep talking about, yep. reparations. Uh, they're talking about, um, you know, of course, the impeachment aspect of the president, which I think sets a s- incredibly dangerous precedent for any president from this point forward if they have an oppositional house. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just telling you, one thing after the next, they say one thing to the cameras, but their actions uh, do the complete opposite to the people of America. And I think they're finally, you know, I think most Americans see what the strategy is from the Democrats um, and they don't like it, you know, and Republican, Democrat, blue or red, whatever, wherever you fall, libertarian, you want there to be some sort of progress and for them to do the people's work uh, in both chambers of Congress. And that just hasn't been the case uh, as far as the House goes since it's been back under Democratic control. All right. So let's hear what Jay Sekulow said. He's the president's uh, attorney. Uh, he was asked yesterday after everything was said and done about uh, the quid pro quo. I want you to listen to what he says here. Cut number four. What the Constitution's about. So, look, they're putting on their case. The good news is we only have 22 hours more to go of their side, and then we'll go. But uh, let them put their case on, and uh, and we'll continue. We saw a lot of heat at it. Yeah, let me, let me, I can't hear you. I'm sorry. Especially eager to rebut when you get your time. There's a lot of things I'd like to rebut, and we will rebut. I mean, I think we said it yesterday. This, you know, first of all, you, you, you notice that Adam Schiff today talked about quid pro quo. Notice what's not in the articles of impeachment: allegations or accusations of quid pro quos. That's because they didn't exist. So, you know, there's a lot of things we'll rebut, but we'll do it in an orderly and, I hope, more systematic fashion. You if you, if you got to do it one at a time, right? Can you plan to take the whole 24 hours? I can't, I can't make any determinations as to how long our, our proceedings are going to go. we got to base it on what they do. And in terms of the president's mood, are you updating him? I'm not, I'm right. not doing just, president's They're just throwing all kinds of questions at him. But Jay said something really important there, and that is, uh, their whole thing that Adam Schiff talked about quid pro quo. The president did quid pro quo. What wasn't part of the uh, articles of impeachment? Quid pro quo. Because they don't have any any kind of uh, uh, evidence for a quid pro that's quo. A very, or, you know, that's it's a very, no, it's a very, very good point uh, that he brought up. This is, it, again, it sort of, it it just strikes you as, Odd, and that's an understatement, but that the Democrats, it just seems like there was no strategy behind this at all. No, I mean, and they're and, just and, repeating the same things they repeated for several weeks as they were yeah. running up to the impeachment. And Speaker Pelosi literally t- held it for 28 days. You would have thought that even if there was no strategy behind that, maybe it was just for them to get their you know ducks in a row and, and have a good argument. And then you've got you know Schiff out there talking about uh, quid pro quo. That doesn't exist in the articles of impeachment because, again, like you said, there's no evidence of it. And uh, I just it's like you just right. Do you just wonder, like, what 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 are you doing? Well, it's you know, like yesterday he said, and the president's collusion with the Russians. And here's the key. The Mueller report said without a doubt there was no collusion between the president and the Russians. None. Zero. Not a zilch. I don't know whatever words to use for these yeah, people. I don't even know if, you know, they're going to even need uh, an hour of that 24 hours after the Democrats get done. The way they've the way they have 
uh, alienated some of those those on the fence senators. Yeah, Romney, yeah, Mikorski, I mean, Collins. I think that they can't even, in good faith, if they wanted to, vote for it at this point. You know, for for the for the witnesses and additional witnesses. I just think that it's it's uh, like I said, it's just odd. It's really unbelievable. All right, let's take a break really quick. Uh, no, we won't take the break. Let's take Dwayne. Dwayne's on the phone. Dwayne, how are you? What you got for us? Hey, Dave. How are you? I'm good. I'm on my way in from Oklahoma to Little Rock, VA, and I was calling in to let y'all know there's something, some kind of big accident on uh, I-40 uh, on the westbound side, like going towards uh, Russellville. Okay. Next at 108, there's sheriffs and state police are on on the scene all over the all over the roads, like 20 police cars. Okay. And it looks like one of those. It looks like uh, you know those big windmills, those propellers off a windmill, like one of them trucks was carrying that. Mm. And maybe it turned over or something. Oh no! Oh man, that's going to make yeah, some it's, people's it's days up, it's bad. Up about five and a half miles. Yeah. Okay. Oh gosh. Well, All be right, safe, Dwayne. Dwayne. Thank you very much for that information. Okay, you're saying up by Russellville, about the 108 mile marker, looks like one of the big propellers for a windmill is on the road. And they got all kinds of emergency vehicles there. It's going westbound on 40, so be aware as you go that way. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, JR and I will come back and finish up. Got another piece from Jay Sekulow I want to play for you here on 1011 FM, The Answer, home of the Rush Limbaugh Show. All right, Jay Sekulow uh, talking about the president and about the president being acquitted. Cut number one. What? that affect the office of the presidency for other presidents that come. I During the break today, the chamber we, briefly, have you been speaking to the president throughout the... I would never discuss with you if I had a conversation with the president or why I stepped out of the chamber. What about the president tweeting during this, responding in real time? He tweeted, no pressure, for example. Okay. During the what Democrats case. Moved, well, I've been in a, I've been in a, I'm sure he's fine. I've been in a hearing all day, as you all have been. So, I mean, I, I'm, look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have conversations about the president's mood. I think this, this whole fact that we're here is ridiculous. I mean, think about why we're here. I said that at the beginning of when we spoke yesterday, which seems like about two weeks ago. But the truth of the matter is, why are we here? Are we having an impeachment over a phone call? Or has this been a three-year attempt? to take down a president that was duly elected by the American people. And we're doing this with 10 months to go to a general election. Pretty dangerous for our republic, in why my view. Make, sorry, why not make a motion to dismiss if this is change? Uh, because I want to let them try their case, and we want to try our case. Because we believe, that without a question, the president will be acquitted. There is not a doubt. All right, one, one more. Are you ruling out a motion to dismiss at any point during the trial? I don't. Those of you that know me know I don't rule out anything. Nothing is ruled out. But at this point, the way the procedures are set up, I'm sorry, uh, the way the procedures are set up, at this point, here's what I believe is going to happen. They're gonna, it looks like they're going to spend tomorrow and Friday. And then I suspect we'll start on Saturday. And then we'll go probably another day or two. But who knows? I mean, we've got to make that determination with our team. And then what do you think happens after that? Then there's questions. Two days of that. <laughs> then there's a... Probably a half-day argument on the will there be witnesses or not. So that's probably a, you know a day. What's your prediction on where? Oh, I, look, my prediction is the president of the United States will be acquitted of the on, the. on the witnesses. Oh, you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't predict on witness. I'm prepared. All right. All right. I don't think the president tweeting during any of this is affecting the senators when they read the tweets. I'm not concerned about that. All right. So enough there. Last question. Bottom line: that what he just said. By the end of next week, it should be done. And the president will be acquitted. 
And then he said what I said, that I think that the president himself wants to be acquitted. He doesn't want the, the senator to say, there's not enough here to try him and just, be, and just dismiss it. He wants a full-on acquittal. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. Biden said the other day, he said, the impeachment of President Trump will make him doubly hard to defeat. Oh, I believe that. And he's right. He's absolutely right. Did you see, uh, did you hear uh, the comments from Lindsey Graham, which is what I think is going to be. I got it right here. Yeah. Don't want the court process to stop the impeachment train. Well, that, and then he started <laughs> talking about Hunter Biden and saying, oh, someone, yeah. he goes, look, we're here. And yeah, whatever you, That's whatever you think of it. After. Yes, exactly. And he goes, whatever you think about it, this needs to be looked into. I think there's some real questions here. And he said, he goes, look, I love Joe Biden. He said, he's a, he, you know, I respect Joe. So, but these he are allegations. Yeah, and he goes, these are allegations that need to be looked into. I, this it just screams backfire for Democrats in in the absolute because again, despite some of the concern around Joe Biden and you know what I mean, he's not as sharp. I don't know that Joe was ever completely you know sharp as far as a candidate. He was always gaff prone, but but he's not as sharp in some people's minds. Uh, you know, this time around, but he is their best bet to win in the general. I truly believe that, and I don't think it's. I don't, I don't think, think. I don't think he's going to get it. I don't think. He, I. I don't, I don't know. think he's going to get the. Nomination. I don't know if he's going to get it, and even if he does get it, I say he's the best bet. I still don't think he can do it. But my point is, you're going to hear more of these Lindsey Graham type comments from other senators, from other Republican politicos, yep. from other surrogates on you know the networks that are going to say, "Why aren't we looking into this?" It's going to cast a huge shadow uh, over Joe Biden and and his son and. You know, that's going to be the backfire and the unintended consequences from the Democrats' actions. If you can find it, go watch Laura Ingram's show last night, the last half hour. Some interesting uh, text messages appeared dealing with Hunter Biden. Very interesting mm-hmm. stuff. And interesting stuff about why the New York Times stopped investigating. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. really good stuff. I'm going to watch tonight to see if she's got any more. JR, always a pleasure. I'll see you at a normal hour next week. Yeah. But after that, early, it's early, early in the morning, brother. That's right. I'll catch you next week towards the end of the circus. All right. So, all yeah. right, buddy. JR Davis, we'll be back with more here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, the answer, home of the Rush Limbaugh Show. you about the changes that are coming up i am moving to mornings beginning uh, february the third that's a monday and i'll be on from 6 a until 9 a.m to get you to work on time and to get you started on all of the important topics for the day then gallagher will follow me up for a couple hours from 9 until 11 11 o'clock rush limbaugh comes on until 2 
And then in the afternoon, it's going to be Sean Hannity, and he'll go until 5 p.m. It's one of the greatest lineups ever for conservative talk, and you get it right here at 1011 FM, The Answer. Speaking of conservatives and great Republicans, Liz Harrington joins us today. Hello, Liz. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you, Dave? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I have to admit, I'm going to I'm going to make an I'm going to make an admission to you. Yesterday, I don't know who that the lady was at about oh two fifteen who was talking for the Democrats, but I fell asleep for ten minutes. I did. I felt us. I'm sitting here hey, at hey, the you're mic. You're not alone. I mean, the few people who you know are suffering through this and choosing to, to put themselves through torture and watching this, I, I can't imagine you're alone in, in that regard. Well, I heard Laura Ingram fell asleep while she yeah. was up in the gallery. <laughs> I heard that too. On her I don't feel so bad. She, I ma'am, get, you can't sleep in. That's here. right. You can't sleep in here. It was one of the 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 guards up there in the gallery hit her on the knee and told her, "Wake up." <laughs> well, the poor senators that you're not allowed to have coffee. So how do no. you possibly stay awake? I mean, water and it's milk. It's a disaster. It's a disaster. Yeah, it it is really a disaster. I, I played a piece uh, in the last hour with Jay Sekulow, one of my my buddies, and I I've had on I have had Jay on for years, and now of course he's at the highest pinnacles of power, basically. And uh, talking about quid pro quo, and he said, notice what's not in the articles of impeachment. Exactly. It's a, there's no quid pro quo there. No. Uh, maybe because they never proved it. No. Maybe because every single one of their star witnesses said, yeah, there was none. And, in fact, Ambassador Sondland said not a single person on the planet told him there was a quid pro quo yeah. between investigations and money. It is a complete farce. But, oh, why should that let that, that stop them? Oh, They've been shift. lying to us for over three years. I mean, here you have Adam Schiff still clamoring on about Russia and Vladimir Putin. And at the same time, I just saw across the news dial, oh, turns out at least two of the FISA warrants against Carter Page were illegal, mm-hmm. if not earlier. The audacity of these Democrats to accuse us of foreign meddling and election interference when they took the lies and the smears that were made up by Hillary Clinton's campaign in the DNC, and they used it to spy on Trump, and they used it to manufacture a phony investigation. You know what this ruling says in the FISA court also? It says any evidence garnered from those illegal surveillance warrants invalid sure it's inadmissible guess guess who was running that adam uh, uh, weisman andrew weisman who's now an msnbc contributor why can't we let's ask him let's cut away from impeachment this charade and let's ask him why'd you keep spying when you knew it was all a lie yeah i get it you know this i don't understand this if if i were the owner of CNN, and I'm, I'm trying to think what, who, who's behind them. But why, in God's name, would you continue to report the falsehoods that they report and the terrible, terrible ratings that they have, and they 
they can't be charging much for an ad now on CNN because nobody's watching. Right. Why oh, would you keep doing this? For business. They're so blinded. They're so blinded, though, Dave. They cannot see straight. If they would have just accepted what, like, the rest of America saw what happened November 8th, 2016, and, you know, a day later they started to go on with their lives, if they would have just done that, that like the rest of the country, they'd be in much better uh, shape politically. They wouldn't have had to resort to this baseless impeachment yeah. push. They could be on a good track to winning in 2020, but guess what? Not it's now. It's a disaster. It's a disaster, and you know why? You know, you know Adam Schiff says we can't this cannot be decided at the ballot box nope. because we cannot be assured the vote will be fairly won. And I guess he does have a point here because running against a guy who has created 7.3 million new jobs, lowest unemployment in 50 years, new trade deals that they said couldn't happen with China, renegotiated NAFTA, USMCA, new another promise fulfilled. ISIS caliphate gone, two top terrorists dead, uh, the deregulation, the tax cuts, 187 judges, the list goes on and on. Uh, he's right. That's not fair. It's yeah. not fair to go against a guy who's that successful, who's proven them wrong again and again. He's got this booming economy. It's not fair. But that's what the Democrats have to run against. And is it any wonder why they're going for this baseless impeachment push? It's because they have nothing. They have no candidate that can take it to him. Nope. And they have no accomplishments either to go against President Trump. you got to love, Liz, that Nadler, who he got up there and started saying that the Senate was going to be do, uh, complicit in a cover-up. All he did was completely solidify the Republicans. I mean, Murkowski went nuts from Alaska on that. She was offended by that, as was Collins. And uh, they were the ones right. that I were worried about. And now I'm not worried about them at all. No, we're so unifo unified. And you know what unifies our party so much? It's the strong leadership of President Trump. But also the deranged overreach and just appalling behavior by the Democrats. I mean, what they're doing to the Constitution, defining impeachment down to nothing, mm -hmm. defining it down to a petty political dispute, a vendetta, a personal animus that they have towards not just President Trump, but all of us, the 63 million Americans that put in there. They are driven by this, and it has the reaction of just turning off anybody who might be in the middle, disaffected Democrats. I was looking at the data today uh, for a different interview. I was looking at eight, the last eight rallies, which all happened since September, yep. so basically since this latest impeachment sham started. Guess how many the percentage of registered Democrats? Over 50 percent huh. now. Well, well, it's 24.8%. That's 25%. That's a quarter of the attendees. That's disaffected Democrats are showing up to support the president. You know why? Because Democrats have gone. They've totally lost it. They've gone overboard. They can do it to the president. They can do it to you. And it's downright scary. Yeah. And it's insulting. And absolutely, our senators should be uh, appalled by the behavior of Jerry Nadler. It's completely inappropriate. They can turn the House into a circus and demean it and make themselves look like fools. But that's not going to happen in the Senate. And I'm glad that the Chief Justice uh, said something. I'm glad Susan Collins, Senator Collins, sent a note 
being outraged by it because it should outrage us all. Well, and I agree. Look, I don't want to keep you very long because I know you've got a million other people who want to talk to you. But uh, when we were in Dallas uh, with the president, 26% of the people that were there, the 54,000-something people that were inside, uh, bottom line, uh, were Democrats. Now, in Milwaukee, it was like 52%. It's amazing. It it is. You've got people who haven't voted in maybe, you know, most of the last four elections. Maybe they voted in one uh, you got people coming off the sidelines, and you know it's because it's it's exactly because of what the president is doing and his message and the results. Just like this economy, last quarter of last year, seventy four percent of the new jobs created went to people outside of the labor force. Yep. So they weren't on unemployment, anything else. They had left. The Obama Biden years were so bad they just given had given up. Guess what? They're back in. And just like people are getting engaged and working and feeling confident about the country again, they're getting engaged in politics again. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing to see because we should be proud of our country. We should be happy to be Americans. And there's been no better time to go out and get a job in America. And we're celebrating that. And it, it's just been fantastic. It's a great American comeback. And it's it's all thanks to the election in 2016. It really is. And that's what the Democrats can't stand. We're doing so well. The country's doing so well. The sky didn't fall in. You know, all the doom and gloom, everything yep. they predicted, they've been wrong about. And they can't stand that President Trump and his policies are correct and they're working and we get the credit. Well, because Liz, our policies are better. I've talked to you about this before. This is a repeat of the Ronald Reagan years. This is a repeat of it. The same thing totally. happened then. The Reagan Democrats, the Reagan Revolution, yep. the party, they felt like their party had left them because they went too far to the left. It's the same thing with, with the radicals uh, just in the 60s and 70s. It's the same thing now. You have... Mm-hmm a fringe that's getting normalized with the Ocasio-Cortezes of the world and all of that nonsense, the Bernie Sanders. You know, when your front runner honeymoons in the Soviet Union, you start embracing all these socialist yep. policies. And it's turning off their party. The just hatred, the anger coming out of the Democrat Party, it's, it's turning people away. And you're absolutely right about that. It is a repeat. It's even better, I think, though. It, it's even bigger uh, because... We have we have so much so many more voices now. They don't have control over the whole uh, the media and everything else. They don't have they don't have that stranglehold everything over everything. And President Reagan never had a Republican Congress. We've been blessed to have a Republican Senate. Yep. We were blessed to have one right now. Uh, we had all bodies. We got to get the House back next year, and we have a great opportunity to do so uh, and just keep it going because there's so much more to do, and it, it's just. It's been amazing to be a part of it. Well, I'm with Jay Sekulow. They want to have the trial for the uh, Democrats to present their case. They want to present their case, and then they want the president to be acquitted. And we can all tell at that point, we can tell Pelosi, that's right, impeachment lasts forever, but so does acquittal. Right, exactly. 
exactly right. And the legacy will be far more important for us and far more it'll show. And mm-hmm. the history will not lie about this. And Pelosi, she should be worried about that. She's trying to get she's doing her little fist bump. She's handing out the pens. She's, oh, you know, really nasty in her. Oh, he's impeached forever. Well, she should think about her own legacy and what she's uh the path she's led her party down, because I don't think it'll look too kindly on her. I agree with you. Liz Harrington, great Republican, super conservative, but most of all, a great American. Thank you for the time today here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Always good to be with you. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye-bye now. Liz Harrington here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 20 after 3. Senator Tom Cotton coming up when we return. Wait uh, until after the news. I've got a, about a seven and a half minute clip uh, with our Senator Tom Cotton. Uh, he was on Laura Ingram last night, and I want to play it for you because they talked about quite a few different subjects, but most importantly, and, and the piece that I like the most uh, is when uh, the Senator is talking about the Ukraine and the difference about what President Trump had has done versus uh, President Obama before him. So just hang with me on that. I do have a a quick clip that I can play here. This is Lindsey Graham talking about the House Democrats and the court process to get this whole impeachment train going and, and getting it going so fast that it can't be stopped. Cut number three. They withdrew from the Cumberland, the deputy... Uh, National Security Advisor case where the Deputy National Security Advisor went to court and said, tell me what to do, Judge. The House actually withdrew the subpoena because they didn't want the court process to stop the impeachment train. They would have the United States Senate create an impeachment process where the President would not be allowed to go to Article Three courts to argue privileges that have been argued in every other impeachment trial and have been argued by presidents since George Washington. That would destroy the institution of the presidency as we know it. What would it do? It would allow a handful and a 300-plus million country people along partisan lines to impeach a president without independent judicial review. Before I came here, I used to try cases. We have a lot of good lawyers in this body. All I can say is that when the court date was set, and if I showed up and I asked for a bunch of subpoenas and documents to be produced on the day of trial that I had not pursued before the trial in any serious way, I ought to get tossed out. What did we do yesterday? Exactly what happened in the Clinton impeachment trial. We're going to hear the House's case, the president's response. We're going to ask questions. Then we'll decide among ourselves, do we want to know anything more? Yesterday was about 11 hours of them telling us how bad their case was, in my view. They did not pursue these witnesses because they knew the president would seek judicial redress And it literally would stop them impeaching him before the election. So the only thing I can tell the American people, when it comes to replacing this president, nine months plus from the election, 
you got an uphill battle with me. Because I really do believe that the best person, group of people to pick a president are the voters, not a bunch of partisan politicians. And every day we're here doing this is a day we're taken away from doing things that really matter. So when they say it was like Clinton, no. When they say the courts really have no place in impeachment, that's all going to be done by the House and the Senate without any independent ju- judicial review, God help us all. There you go. Yeah, Graham is right on, man. I mean, he is right on the money, as was uh, last night. Tucker Carlson, when he went after CNN, MSNBC, uh, they were talking about Schiff's impeachment speech. Put me to sleep. They uh, they thought it was the greatest thing since I have a dream. Here's what they had to say. Cut two. By inviting foreign interference and cheating in an election to cheat in an election for precisely this reason, helping him cheat in the next election. To cheat in our election, should we just get over it? It's kind of cheating, really. If we're going to be honest about it, blatant about it, it's cheating. In other words, to cheat. Keep your eyes on your own paper, class. But Schiff didn't stay in character for long. At one point, he seemed to switch abruptly from Mr. Chips to Dr. Strangelove. The United States, Schiff explained to the 19 viewers still watching Confused, quote, aids Ukraine and her people so that we can fight Russia over there and we don't have to fight Russia here, end quote. Huh? Wait a second. Whoever said anything about fighting Russia, much less, quote, over here? Is Putin planning to invade the homeland? Is Milwaukee safe? Do unseen Slavic saboteurs move among us? What does Adam Schiff know about World War III that the rest of us don't know? Well, unfortunately, no one on CNN or MSNBC thought to ask him that. They were too deep in bliss. To the mouth breathers on cable television, an Adam Schiff speech is like a brainstem massage. Surging waves of ecstasy flood the central nervous system. Linear thought ceases. All that's left are satisfied grunts of pleasure. A very, very powerful and forceful speech, uh, two and, almost two and a half hours by Adam Schiff. Uh, a very, very strong case from Adam Schiff. It was a very coherent, cohesive narrative, something that the White House doesn't have. This was a speech really aimed at the better angels. Um, and, and I think Adam Schiff did a really great job. What did you think of the presentation by the lead House manager, Adam Schiff? I thought it was dazzling. We want to apologize to any viewers under 18 who may have just watched that. It was obviously pornographic and not suitable for children. (laughs) Oh, that was just so good, Tucker. Thank you very much. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait to get uh, my man back on, Robert Steinbach, so that uh, he can talk about Jeffrey Tubin praising Adam Schiff's presentation, and that was him at the very end where he says, it was dazzling. <laughs> wonder what Dershowitz would have to say about that. Anyway, unbelievable uh, what has been going on. When we come back, we're going to have uh, Senator Cotton, and uh, he'll, he's going to cut through a whole lot of uh, smoke and mirrors with Laura Ingram. I saw this last night live. I was watching the show. I'm going to play it back for you because it is really good. 
Don't forget, I start Monday morning live drive at 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on February 3rd. All right, back with you. Last night on the Laura Ingram Show, our very own Senator Tom Cotton was able to join her and answered some pretty uh, good questions. (coughs) Excuse me. One being the whole deal about uh, the president and the money for Ukraine. And uh, who was it? Uh, It was um, Shift who made the statement that as many as 15,000 Ukrainian soldiers died because of this. Now think about that. Well, I'll let Senator Cotton explain it. I, I don't need to explain it. He'll explain it very well to you. It's that type of hyperbole and lies that the Democrats have been spreading during this whole impeachment process. That is a flat-out lie. I mean, it is a flat-out lie. That people here and then to think that there's going to be a war uh, between the United States and Russia. I mean, that's what Schiff said, too. He said, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the fighting going on between the Ukraine and, and Russia. Got to keep it that way. Can't, we don't want it to be the United States and Russia fighting. Who's ever said anything about World War Three? Nobody. Absolutely. All right. Here. Listen to the interview, Laura Ingram and our very own Senator Tom Cotton. Tom Cotton's now with us. He just sat through. Oh, he sat through all of what I attended for maybe an hour and a half uh, today of the Senate proceedings. Senator, I was watching you. I was sitting on the other side up in the gallery and I was watching you and Hawley and Romney all in the back there. And I was thinking, if I'm this bored, how can these people sit through this for this many hours? It was unbelievable. But this was this seemed like an, a, an exercise largely, I don't know, rooted in the Democrats. It built up fury and anger that Trump actually gets to choose the foreign policy and dictate foreign policy for the United States. They hate that. They want the seventh floor, the second floor, or whatever floor of the State Department to determine it. Laura, if you sat through an hour and a half of it, you heard the entirety of the Democrats' argument today because they repeated themselves from the first thing this afternoon to the last thing this evening. If they had genuine evidence of wrongdoing by this president, you'd think that they would just stand on that evidence and then let it stand. But rather, they kept repeating themselves time and time and time again because they did not prove their case in the House of Representatives. And as you say, what this really gets back to is, one, anger that the president won in 2016, and two, frustration that the president, as the elected president, gets to direct the foreign policy of the United States. All right. I just mentioned this, uh, Senator, that Democrats tried to make this case um, uh, today with the following clip from the former Ambassador Yovanovitch's testimony. Watch. She said that there was uh, great concern on the seventh floor of the State Department. That's where the leadership of the State Department sits. There was great concern. Uh, they were worried. Um, she just wanted to give me a heads up about this. Um, and, you know, things seem to be going on. And so she just wanted to give me a heads up. Uh, Senator Cotton, who cares? Isn't it the president's prerogative to, to uh, determine foreign policy? And frankly, if he wants to fire every ambassador in the ambassadorial ranks, he can do that. Whether it's good policy or not, it's his Article I power to do so, correct? 
Yeah, Laura, that's right. I mean, no building, no office, no floor, anyone else not elected by the American people make foreign policy. The president makes foreign policy. Advisors advise, presidents decide. And he's free to listen to their advice. He's free to reject their advice as well. And if the Democrats don't like that, then they should run someone on the ballot who can beat him this fall rather than trying to impeach him for what are basically a policy difference. Yeah, this just reminds me of like the bureaucracy bites back or the swamp monsters come back because they're thinking, you came in saying you're going to drain the swamp. Well, the State Department's filled with swamp monsters, and they want to determine a more globalist foreign policy. They want to go back to the good old days, and Trump doesn't want to take us there. And that's the tension that has frankly existed in the State Department since I was working in the Reagan administration. It's always that tension with the State Department. And, Senator, there was another moment, which I know with your military experience you're going to love to tee off on. This was Adam Schiff actually saying that Ukrainians died because of, of, of President Trump's decisions. Watch. This military aid, which has long enjoyed bipartisan support, was designed to help Ukraine defend itself from the Kremlin's aggression. More than 15,000 Ukrainians have died fighting Russian forces and their proxies. 15,000. President Trump used the powers of the presidency in a manner that compromised the national security of the United States. Uh, two questions here. Number one, is U.S. national security really imperiled because of aid being delayed for a couple of weeks to Ukraine? Laura, Laura I guess I'm really amazed at all these Democrats uh, who think that it's a grievous risk to our national security and to the lives of Ukrainian soldiers that President Trump decided to pause aid for six or seven weeks. Uh, I didn't hear many of them complaining when Barack Obama refused to provide that aid for over three years. As you saw with Qasem Soleimani, Barack Obama sent him pallets of cash. Donald Trump sent him Hellfire missiles. In Ukraine, Barack Obama sent meals ready to eat and blankets. Donald Trump sent Javelin anti-tank missiles. Yet the Democrats weren't complaining when Barack Obama was putting all those Ukrainian lives at risk for three years. Yeah, well, the implication in his comment was also with 15,000 Ukrainians dying due to uh, what, what he says, of course, in this clip is Russian aggression, that some blood is implicit in this comment. It has to be on the hands of the president. Is there any proof for that? No, no, Laura, there, there's no proof of that. The funding that was ultimately released in early September was for the next year. There's no evidence that any soldiers in Ukraine on the front lines were running short of supplies. Maybe it inconvenienced some bureaucrats uh, in Kiev who were trying to plan for the next year's budget, but there's no evidence that any soldiers didn't get the supplies they need. And let's remember, it's because of Donald Trump that they have things like anti-tank missiles, whereas Barack Obama only sent them meals ready to eat in blankets. And Senator Cotton, the, uh, the impeachment managers routinely will say, well, President Trump was trying to hurt his political opponent. He, in, in other words, inferring subjective intent, which the White House counsel's uh, brief uh, just brilliantly just destroyed the idea that you can infer intent. Uh, a, a negative or a criminal intent in this case. And, my, and I want to play something for you from just a few years back from Barack Obama speaking to Dmitry Medvedev, then president of Russia. This is my last election. Yeah. Uh, After my election, I have more flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. I transmit this information to Vladimir. I'll transmit this information to Vladimir. <laughs> 
Uh, so can we infer from that that President Obama was keeping key information from the American people saying one thing during the 2012 election cycle and planning to do another? Is that not fraud? Is that not abuse of power? Under their definition, you could drive a truck through what they're describing as abuse of power. Yeah, I, I think you could infer that Barack Obama's policy towards Russia was one of appeasement and weakness. Donald Trump's policy has been one of firmness. And it's also, as the White House lawyer said yesterday, reasonable for a president to look at the gross, obvious conflict of interest that Joe Biden had to run Ukraine policy for the Obama administration at a time when his son was receiving fifty or $80,000 a month from one of the most corrupt companies in Ukraine as well. I mean, that is always a legitimate inquiry for the United States before we send money to a government in which corruption can be endemic. Senator, you, so you did have milk today, I understand. They brought you in a glass of milk. No cookies, but you did have milk. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I guess I could have put some vodka in it, uh, minus the Kahlua. I was going to say, that would have been, way to get through would, it. Yeah, it would have been a white Russian, but I think Adam Schiff might have accused me of collusion if I'd had a white Russian to drink. Oh, the milk killed me. I saw that. It just killed me. Senator, good luck. I hope we see you later on in the week. All right, so that was Tom Cotton. I like that. I've been having a white Russian. I probably would have been uh, said that I was having collusion uh, with the uh, the Russians if I had done that. But th- the most important thing out of uh, that whole interview, the two things that I really pulled out of it was, one, where Schiff talked about the 15,000 Ukrainians who had died, right, and uh, didn't want to talk about that when Obama was taking care of the, the aid. All he sent were blankets and MREs, that's our meals ready to eat. If you're a former vet, you know exactly what those are. Uh, if you are if you go camping, you may have bought some at a local, uh, you know, store uh, that, you know, spaghetti and different things like that. And you warm up a little water, put it with it, and, and you can eat it and get a hot meal. Military's been using them for a long, long time. I ate sea rations when I was in that were from Vietnam, and uh, Vietnam had been over for over a decade when I went into the military, and we were still eating all all the thousands that they had stockpiled, <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, they were there, and they still were good, and open up that can and dig in, Dave. You'll love it. And uh, anyway, uh, that's what the president was sending, was meals ready to eat and blankets, and you turn around and President uh, Trump sending them uh, missiles to take out tanks and stuff. You listen to when he was talking about when I was, he went up to the front lines in the Ukraine and talking to uh, the militias at that point, uh, Cotton was, up where all the action was happening, and said that uh, they came and said, just send us one. You know, javelin missile. That's all we need, one. Because then every other Russian uh, commander would be wondering uh, if they're next, basically. Because one of those missiles take out a tank, no problem whatsoever. All right, more coming your way as we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. uh, Sharing this information now with you about I will be moving to mornings from my afternoon slot starting on February the 3rd. I'll be on from 6 in the morning 
until 9 in the morning, getting you to work, knowing what's going on, the big stories of the day. I'll be talking about all of that. We'll we'll have some of the, the people that we've had on in the afternoons all the time. Uh, they'll be joining us in the mornings. I mean, uh, Joe and Duck are going to still be on. Uh, the power panel people are still going to be on. The Bible guys are still going to be around. JR is still going to be around. These are all people that are going to continue with me. But it will give us time to get a lot of other guests on as well and give you more information and uh, things of that nature. I'm sure Matt Smith will continue with us as well here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. So, you know, keep that in mind that it's coming up on February the 3rd. So what's happening in the afternoon when I leave? Sean Hannity will be on. So it's going to be one of the strongest lineups in talk in central Arkansas. You'll have me. Then you'll have Gallagher. Then you'll have Rush. And then you'll have Sean Hannity. That's what your day will look like from 6 a.m. until 5 p.m. every day, Monday through Friday, here at 101.1 FM, The Answer, home of the Rush Limbaugh program. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Kind of an interesting story uh, out and about the governor of Oklahoma has now banned all state-funded travel to California after officials there placed a similar ban on travel to his state. Oklahoma's Republican Governor Stitt, who is in his first term, announced a ban in an executive order today barring all non-essential travel by state employees to the Golden State with exceptions for business recruiting trips, college sports games, and trips by schools to participate in out-of-state programs. Enough is enough, said the governor. If California elected officials don't want public employees traveling to Oklahoma, I'm eager eager to return the gesture on behalf of Oklahoma's pro-life stance. This executive order came as a response to similar travel bans imposed by California. Oklahoma was added to California's travel ban in 2018 after they passed a law that allows adoption agencies to deny placement services to same-sex parents. Last year, the city of San Francisco also extended the ban to states with restrictive abortion laws, including Oklahoma. So I'm sure we're there. Man, I got to believe we are. We're one of the most pro-life states in the union. Last September, California announced that it added Iowa to the list of states on its travel ban list because of the state's prohibition against funding gender transition surgeries under Medicaid. Uh, California's black list also includes Alabama, Kentucky, North Carolina, Texas, and Mississippi. How'd they miss us? Got to ask you, I don't know how they missed us. They got everybody else. Listen to that. Alabama, Kentucky, North Carolina, Texas, and Mississippi. So somewhere, and now uh, Oklahoma. So, gosh, how how did they miss us? And uh, got these other, they, they missed Tennessee, too. Sooner or later, the whole South is going to be banned from coming to California, at least uh, government officials, that is. It's un- un- this is crazy. It's just crazy stuff. All right. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' family were dismayed over his comments on religion. Uh, 
Aaron Rodgers has been estranged from his family members for years, and now they are reportedly appalled by comments that he previously made about his religious upbringing to girlfriend Danica Patrick. The Green Bay Packers quarterback admitted he has struggled to believe in a higher power on Patrick's pretty intense podcast last month. Now a source told people Rogers' family is offended by his religious comments. They were dismayed, a source told the magazine. To them, his comments are basically a sap in the face to the fundamentals of who they are. So um, Rogers has never publicly spoken about his family rift. Did you know about that? No, did you? Were you aware of that, Zach? You were, huh? And they've had a riff for years. Really? I mean, it's not the first time that, you know, something has come up. Now, this is the first time I heard something about the religion part. But, yeah, he and his family have had a rift for years. Now, it says the magazine's source said the topic of religion contributed to their estrangement. Okay. Quote, his comments are very hurtful to our family. They have these uh, times where things start to thaw out, but then something like this happens, and then it's back to square one. It's sad. The insider added, it's basically him turning his back on everything that they taught him. And uh, on on Patrick's December 26th podcast, uh, Rogers explained that he questioned religion as a kid and has since uh, related to a different type of spirituality as he's gotten older, most people that I knew, church was just, you just had to go. Rogers, 36, 36 told uh, Patrick on her uh, podcast, I don't know how you can believe in a God who wants to condemn most of the planet to a fiery hell. What type of loving, sensitive, omnipotent, omnipotent being wants to condemn his beautiful creation to a fiery ball, a hell at the end of all of this? Well, I'm not going to get into a religious discussion, but wish I could talk to Rogers, and I try to explain that out to him so he'd understand that's not God doing it. That's us doing it. It has nothing to do with God. God gave us the mercy and the grace of how to avoid it. Uh, The star quarterback added that religion can cause a divide. It can be a crutch, he said. It can be something that people have to have to make themselves feel better because it's set up binary it's us and them saved and unsaved heaven and hell it's enlightened and heathen it's holy and righteous that makes a lot of people feel better about themselves well then there's packers and everybody else i mean that's binary as well uh the tension between the professional football star and his family was highlighted on a previous season of the bachelorette when his estranged brother jordan rogers was competing for jojo fletcher's love Rogers reportedly stopped communicating with his family near the end of 2014, around the time that he was dating actress Olivia Munn then. And then he's left her now, and he's dating uh, Danica Patrick. He's been dating her since uh, 2018. And I've got to be honest, I can't question his taste in women. That's, <laughs> that's pretty good. Olivia Munn and Danica Patrick. Although... He goes for the, the small petite type, evidently, doesn't he? Danica is a sm- Have you ever met Danica Patrick? Never met her. Yeah, she's about five foot three, I think. She's not very. I mean, you can't be tall and get in a race car, okay? I mean, that's just the way it is. 
You can't be. I mean, the first time I met Jeff Gordon, I didn't see him until I looked down. Really? I'm I mean, just, I know he's probably like, what, 5'8"? Yeah, well, he's a little shorter than that. He's a little shorter than that. At least I think he probably is. Did you Did you know? Did, yeah, he's 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, yeah, did you know? Did you realize? You, you know uh, who I'm talking about when I say uh, uh, the the former press secretary for President Bush that's on the five, Petrina, uh, Perino, you know who I'm talking about? Anyway, he's looking at me with that look of, duh. Uh, no, he doesn't know who I'm talking about. You know how tall she is? No idea. Five two. Five two. And she, weigh, she weighs about 100 pounds, I think. She's little. I didn't realize she was that little and just the other day I happened to be reading about it. all right got to get to the news dr yamauchi's coming on there is more and more information coming out about the uh coronavirus i think that's what they call it so it sounds like a virus that tastes like a beer to me but we'll we'll talk about it uh when we come back here on the dave ellswick show 101.1 fm the answer the home of rush limbaugh show dr terry yamauchi is with us he is a, a a person with great great knowledge of infectious diseases and i called him i think it was monday i called him and he answered the phone and he goes oh I go, hey i go doc it's dave elswick i said bet you can't guess why i'm calling you <laughs> he says that stuff going on in china and i said yeah like coronavirus i think that's what they call it isn't it coronavirus right, right. it does uh, sounds like a beer well it does but you know the reason they call it that is that if you well everybody has to turn their sets up at home to, if you could see okay. this okay the, the, the virus or viron it looks like a little crown it actually does oh that's really what, it's got a little point sticking up and a little like the top of the little crown that's that's how it got its name, I guess. Okay, so what what is it about this uh, d- disease that scares people so much? Because it sure <clears throat> sounds like World Health Organization and the CDC are really nervous. Yes, they are. Everybody's getting nervous about this. Because uh, like some of the other respiratory viruses, i.e. influenza, 
uh, this virus has the ability to, well, we say mutate or or change mm-hmm. just a little bit, and change just a little bit changes characteristics of how it, how easy it is to spread, and that's what people are worried about: how easily it might spread. Uh, they've already postulated that it came from another another form of virus uh, that infected other species. Yeah. Like you said, snakes. Yeah, and- snakes need to be the <clears throat> the uh, animal they're looking at, that and bats. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and evidently, snakes and bats are sold in quantities in China. Right. They have markets where they serve. I, I mean, you would not believe some of the strange things that they serve for for people to eat uh, in some of these markets in other countries. I mean, I remember being down in South America and they had whole slabs of meat, like the head of a goat or various forms of, of what we didn't, would not have considered food necessarily, but they're considered delicacy. And I saw a a piece of meat that was just covered with flies Mm -hmm. and the attendant or the person selling it would, uh, go over to, and, Take a can of Raid or spray, insect spray and just spray it. <laughs> oh, that's I swear what you that was yeah. Marinate it with Raid. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm not too surprised. And I think when we first heard about this uh, China uh, infection, uh, they thought it was coming from a fish market. I, yes, I believe is that's first. right. I, and I it's it's not your typical fish market. It's not like the one you see in Seattle. This is about 10 times as big as the one that you see in Seattle. It's huge. Right. And these fish markets, uh, although, you know, some of them are have very, very obviously fresh materials, some of them are not as fresh. And they don't follow the same guidelines for keeping them fresh or, you know, they want might want some of them to ferment. Or, yeah. You know, so uh, I guess we're not too surprised that we can find uh, infections coming from various places that we don't normally think about. Uh, I'll let you know. I've eaten bat before. When I was on Guam, they had a species called Fanihi, and that is a fruit bat. It feeds off of fruit, and uh, they would cook them, and we would eat them, and they were really, really sweet. Tasted great. I mean, I really, really enjoyed them, and. Uh, but I think about that now, and I go, yeah, but that's not like your traditional food, you know, that you usually eat, Dave. You yeah. might have caught something if you weren't well, watching. Well, it makes your hair fall out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All of mine's gone. Of course, a lot of mine is my own reasoning is I lost it because I shaved it off. I bought a brand new uh, shaver. It's called the the Skull Cleaner. And yeah. it does, yeah, it does yeah. a good job. Does a good job. I like it. It's really good. It's a lot easier than every day having to lather up and and to use a, a razor. I will say this much. Uh, you know, there are days that you want to have a really slick head, and so you lather up and you use a razor. You can't get as close as what the, a razor gives you. Well, let's get back to the Yeah, the now go back to what we're talking about here. Changing this coronavirus um, <clears throat> Just little changes in that outer cold or inner portion. I don't know what part of it is, of the virus at this time they're postulating has changed, but those changes make it either or all of the above 
uh, more easily to be transmitted, uh, more easily to survive, little changes, more easily to uh, reproduce. So that's what they're concerned about. I remember at one time, and we've talked about this on the show before, where we had um, the flu virus, influenza virus, and the they were worried that it had mutated a little from uh, hogs, swine flu. Yeah, swine flu. And that made it more easily to it's spread. Bird flu. And bird flu, sure. And we have influenza, I mean, in all different species, even fish, they get influenza. So um, you know, that's the concern that we'll see this, these changes and they may continue to mutate to become more infectious more uh, deadly, uh, and, of course, it's easier to spread and more deadly and harder to detect. Yeah, I I noticed that they got really, really, the stories got more serious uh, when they start quoting the WHO and CDC when they figured it out that it was easily transmitted from person to person. Right. Initially, you know, the first few cases they said it didn't appear to be spread to humans so as we learn more about this and that's one of the problems we're going to hear a lot more changes over the next couple weeks even right now we're talking about what uh, 20 30 40 people have died i think 67 now is what they said was the latest less than but when you're looking at billions of people over there that's not you know a whole lot of people right Right, but uh, and again, we as we talked the last week or two weeks ago, uh, the information we get out of China and some of these other countries is not necessarily the the truth or or the latest. Correct. And and I did see something from the CDC or from uh, the World Health Organization that uh, <clears throat> there was reluctance on China to give out truths. Or, or more recent statistics. So there may be hundreds of cases that we don't know about. Yeah, here's what's interesting is that over in Wuhan province, they've literally shut that province down. There's a there's a 18, no, that's, that's a whole area, 11 million people in Wuhan province. Right. In the three cities in the, uh, with the surrounding provinces, it's, 18 million people, more than in Chicago, New York, and L.A. And and they said that the restaurants and, you know, because it's, it's, what, Lunar New Year over there right now? Yes, yes. And uh, all those, those celebrations have been shut down, and it looks like they're totally deserted streets. Everybody's got to stay home. I mean, I... I can't imagine that. 18 million people. Well, just think about how hard it would be to do something like that. that I mean, that's what they're trying to do. But how are you going to do that? Well, I'm what not saying that to... there's not a few people or or 100,000 people or whatever cannot still move around. But I also know that in an authoritarian society like well, that, they probably can shut things down maybe better than what we could. Yeah, I think I think you're right on that point. But... I just can't imagine trying to shut down or keep that many people contained. And when I say contained, uh, you know, if, if this is a disease that's spread by respiratory 
coughing, sneezing. The best way, of course, would to contain it. The best way to contain any infection is to stay away from it. Yes. Separate it from the people that aren't infected. Yep. That's the best way. But uh, uh, knowing how hard it is to try to do something like that, it's it becomes a, a real problem. The thing that a lot of people don't understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, let's say you go to the movies and one person sneezes. Exactly. You know, those, those little particles of droplets, droplets get up in the air. They travel a long distance. Then they settle on something, and you can't see them, and you touch the back of a seat or something, and maybe that it, the virus is there. Yes, and usually it stays until it dries. Mm-hmm. If it dries, it dies is what I have used as a, as a statement for uh, infectivity. But um, And it depends on how humid it is, the temperature, how much moisture there is in that droplet. And, of course, the the agent itself, the virus itself, how wow. hard it is and that sort of thing. All right. So let me, let me just ask, uh, Asia, Zach, did you got that piece that I asked you to cut out uh, from uh, the interview yesterday? It's okay. That's fine. Yeah, this is uh, Congressman Hill. I had him on yesterday, and I brought this up, and we talked about something you and I just talked about, Yeah, which is China is Pretty doggone secretive, and here's here's how that discussion went. Right now, there is a a new form, evidently, of pneumonia that has brought just busted out in China. I've, I understand they have quarantined one of their provinces now. Uh, Seven hundred and something people have this. Seventeen people have died. People have left this transportation hub and are in other areas of the, of the world. We've, we've quarantined one person now here in the United States, and it's because China is not open with the world about this stuff that's going on. How do we make them share this information with our CDC and other world health organizations? Well, you hit on a good point, and, of course, they've had uh, both uh, animal a disease and human disease in the past, and it's been very scary for their country, and it has been uh, kept quiet sometimes to the point of not being able to share the information. And this gets to the heart of an authoritarian you know, regime. It gets right. to the heart of the challenges of them becoming a more modern country, becoming a more open country, becoming part of, quote, the family of nations, close quote, and you can't do that, honestly, as a non-transparent authoritarian regime. It's always in conflict. And so whether it's health policy or trade policy or stealing intellectual property or the militarization of the South China Sea or disputes over uh, public company accounting, which is a hot topic right now in mm-hmm. China, it's, you're in conflict with a culture that is private, authoritarian. This is beyond communism. This is more about the Chinese culture married with an authoritarian, you know, government. Right. And it's it's, it's hard to, quote, be uh, an open, transparent nation under those circumstances. Even if you aren't a military threat, you just don't play it straight. Yeah, it just seems to me that there's got to be something, you know, freedom-loving countries can do or or just— even if they're not freedom-loving, the last thing we want to see is some kind of pandemic breakout 
because the Chinese doesn't share information with us. Is there anything that we can do to force them to do that? Or is that just, uh, we just got to go along with the way that they are? Well, it's in their interest, obviously, whether it's a health contagion or uh, transparency and public company accounting, all these things, if they want to be a great and powerful leading country in the world, they have to get over that and join, as I say, what I call the family of nations. And as I say, it's challenging for them because of their culture. But this is where, for their own health and safety, they have to take that step. We can encourage them. We offer technical assistance. We offer them best practices. Uh, We do that diplomatically. We do it through our expertise, whether it's food inspection. Uh, You you read through this U.S.-China phase one trade deal, you'll see lots of opportunities where the United States is offering uh, best practices and access to enhance uh, particularly food products going from America to uh, China. And we demand the same thing, as you know, on fish exports from China to the U.S. It's been mm-hmm. controversial in the past. All right. Tough well, area. But, you know, we have to continue to demand for that. And, and what I would say to China as a diplomatic point, you want to be in the family of nations. You want to be respected. You want to be a higher GDP country. You want to have a respected position at the United Nations and in the world. Well, you have to you have to demonstrate that across the board. All right. There you go. That's my dip, my conversation with the <clears throat> congressman yesterday. Well, Congressman Hill is usually pretty well up to date. He's got good staff, and I have a lot of respect for him because of you know the stances or the shades that he gives us. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's very very appropriate. Thinking about the point of, of about foods and the trade agreements and things like that. Remember, it's been relatively recently that we had a big restriction on. On hog, they put a restriction on hogs mm-hmm. because of the worry. And then, not that long ago, we had the problem with the uh, fowl of yeah. birds, and of course, that hurt our industry uh, to having not being able to give them as much in the way of, of hog uh, uh, birds. Yeah, chickens. Chicken, chickens, right? No. no we, bot- we bot- know. Bottom line is, this is a whole lot more complex than what most people think it through. They don't think. The complexity that's involved. Exactly, exactly. It goes deeper than just the people themselves, which is very important, obviously, to us. Yeah. <clears throat> so we'll have to see how, how that part of this plays out because we used to have this problem with the Japanese, not as much as now as, as we did. Now it's with the Chinese. It's kind of an Asian thing. I got to look. I, I got to know a lot of Asians when I served over in that part of the country, and they're private people. They really are. They, you know, and and they they have an a real high honor thing in their culture, and they don't want if something bad is going on, they don't want to tell you because it reflects upon the honor of their name, and that's huge. Still that way, I think in China. Yeah. Let me let me point. <clears throat> excuse me. That's right. A couple things uh, that I've noticed um, it goes to the spread of this disease. The precautions are being sought and trying to enforce. Uh, but I saw several pictures on the TV or on the computer day of persons uh, in airports and uh, traveling, and they were wearing masks. 
Yep. And I think you and I have discussed this before, but, you know, mass, to me, the mass serve one real major pur- uh, purpose, and that's to make somebody aware that somebody might have something or that you stay know, away from <laughs> that's exactly right <laughs> run away but on the other hand watch how these people wear their masks yeah and i was in a restaurant just the other day and one of the servers had a mask on except it didn't cover their nose you know and i you know, i was they said well i don't want to get that disease that chinese disease yeah right i said well you're serving me <laughs> <laughs> No, but uh, that's funny. But um, <laughs> you know, if you, when you see that, I'm glad that they're thinking about disease transmission and how diseases could be spread. But mm-hmm. if you're going to use it, use it correctly, and you know, be sure that you're uh, not going to catch the disease or spread the z- disease yeah. by doing it inappropriately. I had a story come to me today. Uh, from uh, the Arkansas Department of Health. And it's that people who know that they have, you know, um, I don't know, flu A or flu B or whatever they are this year, it said that uh, it's not a bad idea to wear a mask if you have to go out. Now, they suggested that you don't go out. You don't go where there's going to be people at. But, yeah, that you should wear. And I guess that would help your family and things of that nature if if you did. But, look, in my household, I don't know about other people's, but if somebody gets sick, you're relegated. <laughs> you stay there. You're not, you can't walk around the house, you know, unless it's to go to the bathroom or whatever. Bottom line is, you're sick, stay in bed, and stay away. Good point. Excellent point. And, again, when you think about you know, how a disease is spread or how any disease is spread, really. It's a very simple, basic principle. Stay away from somebody who's sick. If you're sick, stay away from people who are well. Right. It's a, it's such an easy concept to think, but it's a hard concept to get people to do it. All right. got to get a break in. We're gonna have, this is going to take us into our news, I do believe. We'll be back after the news. Dr. Terry Yamauchi is my guest here on the Dave Ellswick Show. When we come back, we'll open the phone lines up. If you got a question for him, you can call in and talk to him. 501-823-0965. 501-823-0965. All right, back with Dr. Terry Yamauchi here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, I asked him Monday to join us today uh, to talk about this coronavirus because it's all over the news. I mean, you listen to what they have to say, make you really nervous, to be honest, and it it did me somewhat, especially when they started talking about that it was uh, highly contagious. They they made that. That's how they said it, not the way I'm saying Highly contagious, person to person. And when you got that many people over in one country, that can wipe out a lot of people in a short period of time. As we've seen happen in the past, the with other Spanish viral, flu and all the viral, other things we saw. Um, infections, especially respiratory. Yeah. And um, I, uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, one of the things about this virus, it appears that it's mutated or changed a little bit, and it may be even more infectious. We don't know that for sure, but uh, when you have, you know, millions of people that are potentially exposed, 
Um, and we were worried that what we see from these health agencies like the World Health uh, Organization and CDC, et cetera, uh, they're worried about how quickly this can spread and how how hard it will be to contain it. And uh, uh, in the real old days, I mean, past even your your age. Oh yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> a long. That's that sounds mid- like a long time ago. The it medieval is. days, Dave. <laughs> uh, the, the Black Death. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bring out your dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, we worried about how. They were people would say that influenza, that disease, was spread on the wings of the wind, mm-hmm. and now it's spread on the wings of a, a know, jet seven forty seven or whatever they are uh, flying around because they are spread on, and that's why we're seeing trying to, trying to see more close scrutiny in airports, and they're checking trying to check people before they. Uh, come down with overt symptoms. I thought it was interesting because they were, it was, what was it, L.A., New York, Washington, international airports, and people, if they were coming from certain countries, of course, they're taking their temperatures and stuff because it's, are you running a fever? If you are, then you got something. And, uh, but I thought was interesting is yesterday uh, at LAX, it was somebody who flew in from, Mexico, not where you'd be thinking, you know, you got to watch out for the coronavirus. And they found that they were uh, infected. And today it was announced that uh, they got a person in quarantine now down in College Station, Texas. And it's only, you know, we've only really been hearing this story for the last kind of like week. And in two days after the story broke here in the United States was the first case in uh, in L.A. I just thought that was interesting how fast it moved. Exactly. Exactly. You can go around the world in less than 24 hours now. Sure. So if somebody is carrying the disease, and as we've mentioned before, so often these infectious diseases have an incubation period that may be several, well, couple weeks. Yeah. And they so won't have So you can any... be infected and not even be showing. Exactly. And the other part of that is you you don't know when you were exposed, if it's several weeks. Uh, so that makes all more, the more uh, difficult it is. And, you know, I hate to try to bring bad thoughts about our transportation systems. But, uh, well, you, Dave is a prime example of spreading disease to yep, people on his airplane. I did. That's back in about 2004. I went to CPAC. And the last day of CPAC, uh, and, and people will remember this, uh, some folks from Conway went with my team and Josh Mesker and Glenn Gallus and some other folks, and I got viciously ill the last day of CPAC. I mean, I, I'm not a person that gets ill, ill like that very often at all, but, I mean, it knocked me off my feet. And I had to fly home the next day, and so I... I medicated up, and uh, but then I got sick on the plane, and I know everybody that was sitting in that plane was going, I'm going to have what he's got, you know, because when you're in a plane, that air that's there, that's just recirculated air. That's all it is. So if there are germs there, well, you're going to be breathing them. It's just the way it goes. 
Now, that may be a good reason to carry a mask with you once in a while, just in case. Put the mask on. Or don't breathe. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on how long your flight is, you have to see how it is. And we were talking that you know, we're not trying to sick, scare you, but we want you to be aware that there's things that you should keep in mind. One, if you've got diabetes, if you've got heart disease, if you've got, if you've got a chronic disease, know that you are if you're more on likely maybe to get if something. If you're on immunosuppressive medication, mm-hmm. if you're on steroids for some reason, uh, these all make you less able to fight an infection. Right. Or you fight it less effectively. So those are just the common sense things that you need to think about before you expose yourself or you expose others. So. Well, I've been staying uh, home. I, I've gone to the movies a couple of times, but basically... I don't go anywhere where people are gathering just because stay I, out of that role that you see Ellswick yeah. City in. That's right. <laughs> and don't share your popcorn with them. If you see me if you see me walk into uh you know, Popeye's chicken, you might want to exit. Oh, be careful. I don't want I don't want to do that. I yeah. like Popeye's chicken. Just watch me. I love Popeye's. I like that chicken sandwich. It's really good. But is the key is is that if you know someone's sick, let them get well. Right. Before you go see them. And that's another problem because sometimes you can continue to be infectious and not have any symptoms. So you can have you can be infectious before you get sick and you can be infectious for a while after you're sick. And it's hard to decide uh, when you got first got exposed. Uh, the other thing is that, uh, you know, the, you may ha- have this this, 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 this this disease is very much like influenza. So you may have respiratory symptoms. Uh, we don't have any rapid detection system for uh, this uh, uh, coronavirus that's freely available. There, there is uh, there is now a test that can be used in different areas, but it's not routinely used right now. It's just been announced uh, within the last day or two. So uh, we are developing the surveillance type of programs that uh, that should be, have some, some effect on the, the spread. What happens with that, Doc? I mean, if they, they, they know that this is a highly contagious disease. It, it can be fatal if you get it. Uh, they want to be able to detect it, but even by detecting, what about treatment? Do, do they start looking for a way of treating it immediately as well? Well, of course, they're looking at this time. I don't know of any magic uh, bullet for it where there's not a penicillin for this this uh, virus right. that I know of right now. Uh, I'm sure they're trying different things at this time, but no, there is no specific treatment for this specific virus. It's non-specific. Treat symptoms, you know, try to isolate the person. Now, I would say right now here in the States, if you haven't been traveling outside our borders, you're probably pretty safe. You know, I would say you're you're safe, uh, but that can change. I yeah. mean, it, it's just as we were talking, it it this disease can move quickly, right? When you say you're probably pretty safe, you uh, if you don't travel, but remember that there are other people around you that, that are travel. traveling, right? Exactly, and so as safe as you can be uh, with other people around you, uh, there's some limitation to that technique, right? So. Best thing to do right now for everybody is just to pay attention, wash your hands. That's you very, know, very important. Do that and, and you know, take 
regular precautions that you normally would do? Well, maybe you normally wouldn't do anything because there's a lot of people that are like that. But uh, we talked about airplanes and they may look clean and everything. My wife, bless her, carries around. She's a good woman, man. Let me tell you. She's smart. Really smart. Too smart. (laughs) But she carries around these uh, like handy white packs in her purse. And she gets on an airplane and she'll wipe down the seat in front of her, the seat belts, the handles, and she'll pass them out. People sitting around her. You know, then you yeah. start wiping your own hands off and stuff. Obviously, yes. That's uh, and I use the handy wipes at the grocery store all the time. Take a pull them out, wipe the handle on my cart and wipe of my course. hands. So uh, some people look at me; they won't be looking at me strangely anymore. Uh, I, that just because that's the way I dress all the time. Yeah, well, that's just it. <laughs> that's the way it works. All right, so. That's the latest on what's going on with the coronavirus. If anything changes, I'll have the doctor on to keep us up to date on exactly what's happening. we got to get a final break in. When we come back, I want to talk to him a little bit. He's not a oncologist, but a big story came out of Britain uh, earlier this week that I, about T-cells that was very, very interesting and could change the way cancers are treated. We'll talk a little bit about it in a moment here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's finish up with Dr. Terry Yamauchi here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, I'm going to talk about the cancer thing here in just a second. There's, we want to go back and talk a little bit more about uh, diseases like, for instance, can affect your kids. Uh, evidently, and I was not aware of this, they've got a big outbreak of mumps going on up in northwest Arkansas. <clears throat> well, they've had, they've had some mumps up there. It's not been a big uh, outbreak, but it's there. And anytime you have a contagious disease in a population of young adults, uh, it's worth mentioning. And, yeah, absolutely. And actually, you, something you and I have talked about before on the air is uh, enforcement of the immunization laws that we have. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm one of those people. I remember when I was a kid, you had to show your shot record. Every year when you wanted to go to school, and if you weren't up to date on your immunizations, you didn't get to go to school until you were. That's right. And right now, because of this outbreak of students with mumps who have developed mumps, uh, they're being more careful about checking those records and actually keeping uh, these students out of class. And they've also found teachers, professors that are lacking in their immunization status and also having them show doc our document that they've had the full complement or are getting getting a booster or boosters right to before they can teach so i'm really glad that our health department and the public are becoming aware of that and uh, doing the things that we need to do to stem this uh, from spreading well maybe we'll be able to get to the point again to say what's mumps yeah yeah, well, remember last year we had the, What's the more, measles. We had more uh, mumps in the in the state than yeah. they had in the country. We yeah. had the number one in the country, so that's good reason to say you know something's missing. Well, flu has been bad this year. I read that uh, Yale County and a couple other counties <laughs> around that area had closed their schools down for a week to try to get it under control. Uh, you know. Do everything you can. If your child gets sick, I know this is tough because a lot of us 
both parents work. But, you know, at that point, you got to keep your kid at home. Don't, don't send them there and have them infect all the other kids. They run into fever. They should stay home. It's the way it is. I mean, be a good citizen. How's that one for you? I'll, try, oh, I'll, put, it, wow. I'll, I'll put it that way. Wow. I'll put it that way, you know. Uh, last thing I want to talk to you about, this uh, thing where these uh, scientists over in England evidently uh, discovered a T-cell that attaches to uh, cancerous cells and not to healthy cells and completely, utterly destroys the cancer cells. They said that uh, it's a couple of years of testing still to do, but they think they may have found a, a great treatment for the cure of that disease. Yes, uh, I'm not an oncologist or an immunologist, so... Uh, I can only say a little basic information. The idea, the concept is excellent. The concept also includes that by complexing, that is, like you mentioned, attaching itself to that sick cell, that cancer cell, yeah. that that forms a complex, and that complex, A plus B, making AB, uh, now can stimulate the body to make antibodies against it as well. Mm-hmm. And so there may be more than just killing that cell. It may be spreading to the whole system and, and developing. Immunization against cancer is what well, they're talking that's about. that's kind of the concept. That's crazy. Well, look, you've, you've had some experience lately with the idea of of healing up speeding. Oh, yeah. Uh, speeding up healing. healing. Yeah, and, hyperbaric and, chamber and all of that. Well, but I mean t- using using um stem cells stem cells yep. which is a you, in your imagination thinking about t cells the type of yes. of the body body product that will help you heal and so the the concept is good it's just be, being able to give a, get a purified cup, a material or one that is specific for the type of cancer cell uh, to make this the treatment more specific and and um, able to reproduce it yeah so i'm going to be spending time keeping my eye on on that because you know you'll see little bits every once in a while so i got my computer set up so if something comes up it bing, and i have something to read uh the stem cell thing is really interesting the uh, the gentleman from uh, over in hong kong that discovered it is now in the united states where he can more easily uh, work with it, but it's it's really interesting. They uh, I, now I had a question for them. You know how pro life I am, and I asked. I said, "Where are they getting the stem cells?" And they said, uh, "Well, the doctor had started with uh, placentas, but those were not clean enough, and so these stem cells come from the foreskins." Uh, babies who have been uh, circumcised and of course i asked the inevitable question will i be able to walk through the bathroom without my foot getting weird but <laughs> anyway he, i'm uh, not going to respond <laughs> <No>. <laughs> i know you would. but uh, this is really interesting to me i mean they got this stuff that they put in the wound it's some kind of material that the, this doctor has put together and it is infused with millions of these stem cells 
which identify with my skin cells when they get into the wound. And they have produced a ton of new tissue, and it's healing this wound that they were really worried was not going to heal. It's pretty... It's pretty cool, Doc. I'm just telling you. Well, you know, stem cells and the concept has been around for a number of years yeah. now. And they've used the stem cells or forms of byproducts of stem cells for tra- trying to treat different types of uh, injuries or diseases. And I guess a lot of spinal injuries. That's, I mean, that's that's one exactly. of, that was probably the one that they were trying to do at the very beginning. Exactly. exactly. It's amazing stuff. I. I Everybody who tells me I, I like the good old days, I say, I'll take the good old days on a, on some stuff, but when it comes to medicine, I'll take the new days. <laughs> I'm just that's, telling you. That's right. There's some amazing things that are going on. And, really? Uh, it is. You know, it was science fiction not that long ago where, you you know, I remember seeing a comic strip of uh, Buck Rogers or somebody, and they were going to get a uh, transfer factor. Hit them with some transfer factor or or let's use interferon. Yeah, you know, interferon, yeah. You know, and now we're doing some of those things, yep. you know. and uh, Doing a lot of those things. A lot of science fiction now is science fact. There's no doubt about it. SF. Doctor and I talk a lot and about movies, and one of the best way you can talk about I can say to you, if you want to get the idea of why with modern transportation diseases move so quickly, Watch the first remake of Planet of the Apes. Just watch that one. That'll give you a really good visual representation of what we're talking about, how fast a disease can travel around the world. Just You use that in your own presentation. I do. You know, mm-hmm. to show people that. You know, a guy's got a bloody nose and he gets on a plane and then it just shows the world and... At outbreak here, outbreak here, and then you can see where the planes are flying, and the outbreak just continues into the whole world is is infected. Unbelievable. Dr. Terry Yamauchi, thanks so much. Well, thank you. You going to come you. see the Godfather? Uh, I don't know. I've seen it. I've got the whole I've set. I've seen it a million times. I've got it. I've got the whole set. And we're going to show one that I know you want to come see. We're going to show. Uh, yeah, I know. It, it, well, we're going to show Indiana Jones. With the one with Sean Connery. You don't oh, get, yeah, yeah. You, you yeah. Don't get he's, to see father, he's the father. Yeah, you don't yeah. get to see that one very often yeah. anymore. So Scares we're going to show off that. the seagulls with this umbrella. Yeah, and then coming coming on, uh, <laughs> what's coming for Halloween? Everybody always wants to know what we're doing for Halloween. Friday the 13th. We're doing the original <laughs> for you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Cunningham's did a great job of... of unleashing that on everybody we're out of time uh coming up next uh, hour it's myself and jr davis we have a very interesting conversation about roads here in arkansas Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.